Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show which reveals the habits, fears, failures, and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs, with new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, here's your host, Simon Sander. Welcome to the show. My name is Simon Sander, and it's time to chat with today's featured guest, Jason Fitzgerald. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Simon. Jason is the founder of Strength Running, where he helps people become better runners. In addition to being a USA track and field certified coach, he's the author of 101 Simple Ways to Be a Better Runner and Running for Health and Happiness. Jason, take a minute to fill in some gaps from that intro and give us a little glimpse to your personal life. Oh, sure. So I started running by accident as a teenager in 1998. I tried out for the cross-country team thinking that I could high jump like I could in track, but I quickly realized that there were no field events in the sport of cross-country, but thankfully I had a great coach and a great team, and I stuck with it. And I knew uh, you know, once I started running at the college level that I was really interested in the training that went behind uh, running and cross country and track and the types of training that really helped runners excel and improve. So after college, you know, I started working and I always knew that I wanted to do something in the sport of running. And so, uh, I started strength running in 2010 and, uh, it grew fairly quickly over the first, uh, 18 months or two years into one of the top running blogs on the web and coaching now coaching businesses. Uh, so for me, you know, I've been running for nearly 20 years. I've been coaching for over six years and I couldn't be happier. It's uh, a passion come true for me and I have a blast going to work every single day. So Jason, I read an article about you on Business Insider where we talked about the strength running blog and now that it's a six figure online business that earns over $10,000 a month. Uh, tell me about those first few months when you got started with that blog? Well, the first few months I made zero. I made absolutely nothing. And that was on purpose. I wanted to create a platform and I wanted to create a content-based business that give away 90, 95% of you know its coaching material for free. And I've kept with that tradition. You know, most of my uh, coaching advice and uh, you know training tips and, and all that great stuff is available for free through my website, strengthtraining.com, my email list, and my social media profiles. So uh, you know the first five or six months, I didn't earn a thing. And then you know I gradually started you know making a hundred dollars a month and then you know gradually increased it from there. But you know at the very beginning, money was not a motivating factor for me. Uh, of course, I wanted to turn it into a business, but uh, at first, I wanted to connect with other runners, uh, provide value just upfront, and uh, just have fun with it and and I think first and foremost, really learn. Uh, the industry of uh, not only virtual coaching, but also uh, blogging and using a content-based business uh, to reach your business goals. So yeah, you told us that it took five to six months until you started earning from the blog. Do you think that uh, because running was your passion and you didn't do it for the money, you were successful? Because there's a lot of people starting those blogs and giving up after a few months. Yeah, well, I'm, and I think that's a huge mistake, and it's probably one of the most common mistakes, is that you have to put in a lot of work up front to make a blog-based business work. And you know, I published twice a week, every week, for probably the first three or four years of the blog. And 
Uh, you know, now sometimes I'll post, you know, instead of eight times a month, I might post six times a month. But uh, I think at this point I've, I've earned a, a little bit of that. Um, but you know, for the first three or four years, you know, it was twice a week, every week. It didn't matter if I was on my honeymoon. It didn't matter if, uh, one of my children was being born. There was a post going up that week and I took it very seriously and it was a very binary decision for me. It was, if I'm going to do a blog, then I'm going to do it right. And if I'm not going to do a blog, then, hey, I'm not going to do it. But as soon as I made that decision, I was 100% committed. So tell me, how has your life changed? Um, your wife doesn't have to work anymore. And uh, it, it seems like you kind of made it. Uh, you work 40 hours a week, uh, a bunch of articles online say. And uh, how, tell me, how has your life evolved after starting uh, your business? Well, I think a lot of it just has to do with personal fulfillment and flexibility. So didn't matter what kind of job I had after college. You know, I worked for an extremely fast-growing private company. I worked for an environmental nonprofit. Uh, I worked for a government contractor uh, and, and worked directly with the Department of Energy and the Environmental Protection Agency. And it didn't matter what kind of project I was working on, what kind of company I was in, but I just never felt really fulfilled because I disliked commutes. I did not like pointless meetings. I didn't like it when my boss was six months older than me and <laughs> didn't know as much about the topic. So for me, doing my own thing has really given me more personal fulfillment. I get to work on projects that are exciting, that uh, directly impact the lives of runners around the world. And that makes me happy. That makes me excited to get up in the morning. Uh, and then, of course, the other aspect to it is the flexibility. You know, I might work a 40-hour work week like most people, but, you know, sometimes I'm working at 7 in the morning or 8 o'clock at night, but then I might take a three-hour uh, break in the middle of the day to go for my own run. Uh, so, you know, I can structure my day a lot of different a lot of different ways and, you know, we can take vacations and, you know, I can work a little bit on vacation and nobody will really even know that that I'm not in my home office. So the flexibility and fulfillment uh, are just unmatched. And if anybody is even just curious about starting this type of a business, then I would say, struggle through those first one or two years. It is absolutely worth it. Well, you grew your business uh, quite fast. And uh, right now your blog is getting more than 200,000 readers per month. And you've been featured on every major media outlet out there. So Jason, could you tell me as an entrepreneur, what is the one thing that you do that you feel has been the biggest contributor to your successes so far? Oh, there's so many things. But uh, I think first and foremost, it's consistency. And as a running coach, I'm always saying consistency is the secret sauce to successful running. And with entrepreneurialism, it's the same thing. You cannot be a successful entrepreneur if you are not borderline obsessed with your business. You have to want to work on it every day. You have to constantly be thinking about ways to improve it. And, you know, like I mentioned before, I published valuable content on my blog twice a week, every week for the first three years or so. Uh, and that showed a level of consistency that most bloggers simply won't adhere to. So if you look at why blog-based businesses fail, number one is that their content is boring, they're not consistent, um, you know, they, they don't have a any kind of business sense when it comes to the time when you actually need to monetize and start earning an income. They're not sure how to do that. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out how not to uh, fall prey to these mistakes and 
try to figure this out. Uh, and so uh, I think consistency is, is probably the most important thing, uh, to, to my success. But, you know, in addition to that, it's just, uh, I, I think relationships are also really important. You know, I've developed friendships and, and, um, you know, close business ties with, you know, uh, people who run other large websites. Uh, I have great relationships with journalists that, that write for, uh, you know, major media outlets, uh, you know, runner's world and competitor magazine, but then also sites like the Washington post or, uh, the New York times. So I, I am able to be used as a source in other major media sources because I've built up great relationships, uh, with journalists. So I think, you know, be consistent with what you do, uh, be really helpful to people and, you know, get to know the movers and shakers in the industry and, uh, provide value to them up front so that when they do need a source for an article, you're there for them. Cause there's so many questions I want to ask. Uh, how have you met those people? Uh, that's a great question. Um, uh, I think in the early days I used a service called help a reporter out and I think it is uh, helpareporter.com and they send an email uh, and, and I admittedly have not been using the service for a couple of years now but a couple of years ago it was you received an email three times a day and they were divided by section so I would always look at the health and fitness section and if there were any pitches put out by journalists uh, I would respond to them and I would give really great, long, detailed answers with no hope of ever being contacted again or being used as a source. I was just trying to provide that value. And a lot of them got back to me and a lot of them published my my quotes and, and linked back to strength running. And through that, I, I got to know some of those journalists. Uh, Twitter is also a really great resource for uh, meeting people. It's not it's not the best resource for pushing out your content because it's like a fire hose of information and a lot of it just gets lost in people's news feeds. However, you can directly communicate with uh, freelance writers and journalists and website owners and a lot of people who are gatekeepers to the audiences and communities that can help you build your business. So uh, I think getting on Twitter and being uh, helpful, of course, but uh, also building relationships and getting to know the people in your industry who could potentially help you out down the road is one of the best uses of any entrepreneur's time. Yeah, if you want to go back to episode 34, we interviewed Peter Shackman, who is the founder of Help uh, Reporter Out. It's a really excellent source. Um, uh, Jason, how important uh, was for you to get featured on those big uh, sites like New York Times, Huffington Post? Um, People talk about it a lot, especially entrepreneurs. Um, is it worth your time getting featured on those uh, big sites or is it kind of like a fad? Well, I think I think there's a, a several different ways to think about it. First and foremost, it's helpful to be noticed first. Um, uh, and, and what I mean by that is uh, get up on a major news source as a source so that you can then say that you've been featured in some major news source. And so that ends uh, credibility to your your brand or your business and so you can use you know those um, you can demonstrate that authority on your website uh, and talk about it within your marketing materials so I, I think it lends an area an era of credibility uh, but also you know it is going to send some traffic your way um, and it is going to send people to your website your business and they're going to uh, get some increased awareness of who you are and what you do now 
the 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 media mentions have not been as useful as say writing articles for other websites so if i get an article published on lifehacker that's a lot more valuable to my business than say being quoted in the washington post or being quoted in uh, business insider you know those are great but they don't help my business as much uh, so really looking for where your audience is hanging out online and then trying to uh, get in front of them uh, and and provide helpful information but also a strong call to action to check out your website to download something to sign up to an email list whatever your call to action might be but it's really important to uh, get the major media mentions for credibility, but then go where your audience is in terms of where they're hanging out online so that you can provide value and give them a strong CTA. I want to talk about productivity a bit. Uh, you mentioned that you wrote two articles for uh, several years every single week. Um, taking time to write good content takes a lot of time. You know that. Uh, how do you do that? I know you're a busy guy. Well, in the beginning, you know, I would spend about an hour and a half on each article. And today, you know, my articles take a little bit longer. Uh, they're much more detailed. They often include either a podcast or a video or some sort of extra bonus material that you can be down that can be downloaded after you read the article. So now my articles are a lot more complex. But in the beginning, I would give myself one to two hours per article. And that included sourcing a great image, writing the material, doing any research for it, um, editing it, and then publishing it and promoting it. And so that probably was about two hours. And so if we're talking two articles a week, we're talking four hours a week. And if an entrepreneur doesn't have four hours a week to spare to grow their content empire, then uh, they probably have to rethink whether or not they want to be an entrepreneur. Great advice. Um, how much of uh, time you would spend on promotion? And there's this guy called Neil Patel, and he always talks about the importance of uh, promoting your content. Just writing uh, your uh, blog post isn't enough. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And there's another entrepreneur, Derek Halpern, who says, you know, 80% of your time should be spent promoting content that you write during the other 20% of your time. Um, I think those numbers are a little bit skewed. I mean, obviously, if it takes me two hours to write a post, then I'm not going to spend eight hours promoting it. I, I don't know what to do with eight hours of promotion. You know what I mean? Um, but it, I, I think the, the the real underlying principle here is that you cannot rely on if you build it, they will come. You have to build it and then go tell people that you built it. So you can do that by getting press mentions. You can do that by writing guest posts. Uh, I would caution any kind of content-based entrepreneur. You know, you don't want to reach out to people with every single article that you've written to try to promote it, especially if you're reaching out to the same people over and over again. Now, each article can have a certain angle that may appeal to a certain segment of your audience, and then you can go promote it to that segment of your audience, and you can really drill down and be more specific that way. And that's a much more helpful strategy. Um, but in terms of like how I spend my time now, you know, it's really 80% of the time is content creation and 20% of the time is promotion. But I really try to make sure that that promotion uh, are 
is very effective. You know, I, I don't do things or I try not to do things that uh, won't provide a strong ROI for, for my efforts. So if you look back on your journey as an entrepreneur, I know you've had uh, some rough times and hardships. Uh, could you pick uh, one of the stories you've had? Let's say the worst entrepreneurial moment. Uh, could you share that story with the audience? Well, I've never had any hardships in terms of, you know, I lost my business or my family had to live under a bridge for a few weeks or anything like that. But, you know, I've certainly had a lot of hurdles along the way. And some of those hurdles are uh, being impatient and worrying about, you know, a, a monthly dip in revenue where, you know, if you look at the business from from a higher level, you know, it's still increasing in revenue by a healthy margin every single year. So I, I think entrepreneurs need to just be a little bit more um, you know, they need to think a little bit more long term. Um, the other kind of problems I've run into are problems that I think any online entrepreneur has experienced, you know, your, your website being hacked, uh, or your, um, spam email addresses being added to your account. And then your email service provider pauses or, or, uh, suspends your, your email account. So you can't send any new emails. So there's always things like that, but I think it's, it's always great to know that almost every single problem problem is fixable. So we can always, we, we just pick yourself up, dust yourself off and you can go ahead and, uh, attack the problem and fix it and then move on to something that you're better off using your time for. That's quite fascinating. Every time I ask this question, um, there are so many answers. I always get the uh, hard, really hardships. Like you, yeah, like you said, they're living under a bridge, uh, stuff like that. And it seems like you've been really fortunate. Maybe I have. Um, and now you're making me nervous that something, <laughs> <laughs> something's going to happen soon. Um, but no, I mean, there's a, there was another thing, uh, you know, last year I hired, a, a web development company to build some software for me and it's you know it went over uh, six times over the time frame that it was they said it was going to took uh, they charged me more than double what they initially quoted me for and ultimately I just pulled the plug and uh, I had to say goodbye to almost five figures of uh, lost investment so you know there's those kinds of hardships but uh, hopefully no entrepreneur takes a gamble on something where if you lose, then your business will fail. You always want to take smart, calculated risks that even if it doesn't work out, it's not going to sink your business. I guess that's your outlook on life as well. Every problem is solvable. Uh, so Jason, uh, let's move away from the worst entrepreneurial moment and talk about uh, your core business. Uh, what is something that is really working for you right now, going really well? That's a great question. Um, well, I just launched my own podcast, the Strength Running Podcast, and that has started to grow really well uh, over the last four weeks. So we're only a month in, but uh, we're already seeing some some really good numbers that I'm really excited about. And uh, so that's something that I'm very excited about. Uh, from a more business perspective, um, you know, my, my readers are always really interested in injury prevention material. Uh, injuries do tend to be uh, problematic for runners, uh, mostly because their training is not structured very well. So, you know, all of my injury prevention content and material um, does does excellent. And so that's working really well for me right now. Uh, a lot of people find the information uh, helpful for for them designing their own training. And uh, ultimately, you know, I'm in the results business. I want runners to get healthy. I want them to get faster and I want them to stay healthy. And uh, I think the material is really helping them do that. And whenever I get an email 
from people who say that, you know, now they're running faster than they ever have. They haven't had an injury in over a year. You know, that's why I love getting up in the morning and working. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that is what's working really well for me right now. So what was the reason for you starting that podcast? Starting the podcast? Well, um, I, first of all, always wanted to uh, have a podcast. I would rather, I think, have a podcast than write a blog, even though the blog was sort of my, my first love. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's a really interesting way to, to meet a lot of new people and to have interesting conversations about, uh, you know, not just running, even though I have a running podcast, you know, we talk about everything from uh, habit change and systems that make exercise easier to the adventures that you can have uh, if you're a runner and all kinds of uh, interesting angles on the topic. And I get to, you know, interview Olympians and New York Times bestselling authors. Uh, and these are the people that are the thought leaders in the industry. They're the people who are running the fastest and their perspectives are, are really fascinating, especially for recreational runners who might not have had any, uh, any contact with these caliber runners or these caliber coaches. So uh, it's fascinating for me to do, but it's also really uh, fulfilling for me to bring that material to my audience. I think you mentioned on such an important point, uh, starting a podcast, you meet so many amazing people. And throughout my journey, for example, I've met some amazing people I never had a chance to meet otherwise. Uh, Jason, I want to touch on habits uh, a bit. Um, usually we ask, what's the one personal habit that really contributes to your success? Uh, is it running or is it something else? I, I think one of the habits that has led to some of the success that, I, that I've had is my 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 almost obsession with tracking progress and so that stemmed with my running you know i wanted to see my finish times in my races decrease i wanted to see improvement i wanted to get faster and when i started the business i applied that same mindset to all of the various metrics that an online business owner might track you know i wanted to see traffic numbers increase I wanted to see revenue increase. I wanted to see conversion rates increase. And so, you know, I've worked really strategically on those numbers, just like I used to work very strategically on my running fitness to get my race time numbers down as well. So I think, uh, you know, focusing on the actual metrics of your business and uh, also avoiding the vanity metrics, you know, sometimes traffic isn't that important and you have to know what traffic is valuable and what traffic is not valuable. And, uh, you know, as long as you can stay away from the vanity metrics and focus on those big levers that you can pull in your business to actually move the needle, then, um, you know, I think that's uh, one of the best things an entrepreneur can focus on. And it's possibly something that I focused on a lot because of my running. I guess numbers are a quite unique topic because you can get too obsessed about them. You certainly can. Uh, you know, I used to check traffic numbers on a daily basis, and <laughs> that is definitely overkill. But I think when anything is very new, you get really, uh, really into seeing the minute changes uh, over time. And I think that's uh, the natural journey and progression of being an entrepreneur. Now, I don't check traffic numbers almost ever, maybe once a week or once every two weeks. But I look at numbers that are further down the funnel. Now I look at, um, you know, the number of email subscribers I'm getting on a weekly basis, or I'm looking at monthly revenue. 
So these are kind of further down the funnel metrics that are more important ultimately. But, you know, you have to focus on the top of the funnel before you can focus on the bottom of the funnel. So tell me, where do you want to take your business, uh, let's say, five years from now? Great question. So right now we're really focusing on our online assets. So we're building uh, digital courses and programs that, uh, you know, the runners in my audience have said uh, they want. And then I think once we uh, have really built out a, a really great digital portfolio of, of offerings, then we may uh, increase the number of coaches we have on staff. You know, right now I do all the coaching, but, you know, I can see a point where, I can't, you know, I can't coach 200 people a month. You know, that's just impossible. My coaching doesn't scale. But if I can find really good coaches, then I can have them uh, deliver their services to my audience. Uh, and then, of course, beyond that, there's I'd love to do more in-person events. Uh, I think having a camp or some sort of running retreat would be amazing. You know, I live in Denver, Colorado, and we are just a half an hour from some of the best trail running in the United States. So I think if we can get a great group of runners out in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains for a long weekend of learning about running and, and going on runs and just being around the sport, then that is not only an inspiring weekend, but it's a weekend that uh, you're going to take a lot from and you're going to learn a lot out of. So that is going to stay with those runners for a very, very long time. And uh, I would love to uh, get into more events uh, several years down the road. For sure, you should make that reality. Jason, I'm going to wrap up today's talk with topic happiness. Uh, what really brings you joy and makes you happy? Oh, well, I am a proud dad. I have two girls. They are one and a half and three and a half, and they make me happy. I just love watching them play. I love seeing them grow. In addition to that, it's really just hearing about the progress of my athletes. Um, anytime one of my runners sets a new personal best, that makes me happier than when I used to set a new personal best. So, uh, you know, I think I've you know, transitioned more uh, out of the runner role and into the coach role. So I'm I'm really excited and and fulfilled by the progress of my athletes uh, and my family. Let's end today's show with a parting piece of guidance from you and the best way to connect with you, Jason. Sure. Well, the best way to connect with me is through my website, strengthrunning.com. Uh, you can you know, either shoot me an email or get in touch with me on social media. All of those are uh, linked to from Strength Running. And then a parting word of advice or piece of advice that I would say is uh, give yourself every advantage to succeed. If you're an entrepreneur or you're thinking about being an entrepreneur, uh, be aware of what you're good at and then commit. Really commit 100% to getting it done. Uh, and that means working when you don't want to work. It means working when it's inconvenient, but that's critical. And that's going to be the difference between success and failure. So, you know, I, I didn't want to write four articles in one week, the, the week before my honeymoon, but I did anyway, because I knew that I couldn't just leave my audience hanging while I was off sipping cocktails on a beach somewhere with my new wife. Uh, so fun little story there, but I think the, the point of consistency being so important and the Real, the real strong principle of you have to just commit. Make it a binary decision. You're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. And if you are going to do it, do it right. Jason, let's end on that note. Thank you so much for coming in. Well, thanks so much for having me. This was fun, and I, I rarely get to talk about the business side of things, so I really appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. 
For killer resources and free content, go to entrepreneurdecoded.com.